0: Good morning, church family. Good morning. You know, the mood in a room where there's baptisms is joy. Amen? And now we're going to talk about anxiety and worry. You ready for that? All right, but I want to propose to you that these young believers this morning, we had these two and then uh, DJ Taylor, uh, young in the faith man in the first service, People young in the faith, just like all of us, need this message to know that when they're following and believing and trusting Jesus, that is the answer to anxiety and worry in our lives. This is a gift that Jesus gives us today in his word, and I am thrilled to be here experiencing this gift as well, right along with everybody today. We need this in our culture, maybe more now than ever in American history, at least, because our world is so filled with anxiety and worry, It's, it's built on this system of anxiety and worry, Think about the things that stream on social media and in the the news cycles. We're we're dealing with economic recession and global terrorism and domestic stuff and civil war threats and animosity everywhere. And escalating the problem is that this first world culture that we're in is is built on this environment of, of fear and panic and anxiety. And you see that. The media sets out to get us to click on things because it gets clicks and views and money by striking panic in us about everything. None of us is immune to that. The media, the uh, marketers, make millions of dollars for their clients by unsettling us about everything. And we're victims of this. We need to be aware of that. And then politicians come along and tap into our fears and get us to thoughtlessly buy into their agendas uh, that may not be any good anyway. So at home, it doesn't get any better. We worry about our health. We worry about... Our bodies, we worry about our children, our spouses, our churches, our relationships, our money. There's always something to worry about, right? There's always things to worry about. Well, today, Jesus gives us an alternative to worry and anxiety. How about this alternative? Be anxious for nothing. How does that alternative sound? Sounds pretty good. That's what Jesus gives us today. Open your Bibles to Matthew six nineteen if you haven't already. And if you didn't get a bulletin, those sermon notes help you follow along and everything else. Just raise your hand. This guy will put one into your hand. Thanks, Chris. We are ready to hear this message of hope from Jesus. We're entering the second half of the Sermon on the Mount, our focus this fall. And in the first part of chapter 6 of Matthew... If you were here two weeks ago, Jesus gave us some kingdom living principles for our spiritual life and practice. When we're doing spiritual practice with our lives, particularly in the areas of giving, prayer, and fasting. Now today, Jesus turns to all the other stuff in life. Kingdom living principles for every other moment. When we're doing other things and focus on other things other than our spiritual life. That's today. Today. And he frames these principles for everyday life, first around our relationship with money and possessions, and then second around our relationship with anxiety and worry. And then we're going to see from Jesus the Master how those two are related to each other, and how a preoccupation, being consumed with money and possessions, only brings us further into the hole of worry and anxiety first thing Jesus begins with is our priorities in life. What do we value the most? What do we treasure the most? What consumes our focus? Point one as we enter our study today is Jesus' valuable teaching on valuables. Is it a surprising thing to say that what we value the most, what we prioritize in life, What we focus on more than anything else is vitally important. Is that surprising? Of course not. Our focus, our priorities, our values, our treasure, that's going to direct the course of our daily lives. Our values and priorities have consequences to our lives, both now and, as we'll see, to eternity. So Jesus gives necessary guidance on our Focus on our priorities. And he does so in three different areas in the, out, in the uh, initial several verses. The first one we come to, Jesus says, pursue heavenly treasure over earthly treasure. Pursue heavenly treasure over earthly treasure. Because when we give our time, our talent, and our treasures to heavenly things, eternity is going to be different. Eternity is going to be different for us and for other people. So here Jesus in the opening three verses is going to contrast the folly of prioritizing earthly things as our greatest treasure with the wisdom of investing in eternal things. Let's read these first three verses here. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. To begin helping us think about these verses, I want to begin with a story here of a missionary couple who visited Cairo, Egypt some time ago, and they visited two different graves in one day. The first grave they visited was a graveyard of American missionaries. There in Egypt. One of the scorched tombstones that they read said, William Borden, 1887 to 1913. Who is William Borden? William Borden was a graduate of Yale and he inherited an enormous amount of money, a great fortune. But William rejected to spend it on himself. Instead, he chose to bring the gospel of Jesus to Muslims in Egypt. And he spent thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars away giving to missionary work before he himself became a missionary. Then he went to Cairo, Egypt, and after only four months of zealous ministry in Egypt, he contracted spinal meningitis and died at the age of 25. The couple visiting his tombstone said they, they never forgot the other inscription on his tombstone that read, apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. Now, later that day, that very day, their guide took them to another grave. That was the grave of King Tut at the Egyptian National Museum. And what they saw there was a striking difference. As we know from history, if you remember learning about King Tut, his name was Tutankhamun, and he was also a young man when he died. Now, the ancient Egyptians believed that you could send your possessions with you to the afterlife, and so he was buried with his great fortune, and when King Tut's tomb was discovered in 1922, took a long time to discover it, but in 1922, they found him buried with solid gold chariots, thousands of solid gold artifacts, and then just tons of gold, and then he himself, his body was buried in three nesting solid gold caskets, The couple was struck by the contrast between these two graves that they visited in that one day. Borden's was obscure off the back alley of a street littered with garbage. Tutankhamen's tomb glittered with unimaginable wealth. Yet where are these two young men and all their treasures now? One who lived in extravagance and called himself a king is, is in the misery of an eternity apart from God. And the other... Who lived in service to the one true king has been enjoying his everlasting rewards in the presence of God. Borden's life was triumphant of the two because instead of leaving his treasures behind, he sent them on ahead. That's what Jesus tells us. He says, again, verse 20, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And when Jesus here says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Jesus is saying, hey, show me your checkbook. Show me your receipts, your visa statement, your calendar, and I'll show you where your heart lies, what you treasure. Now, this is easy to see. Suppose that you bought stock in the, in the company Apple. If you bought some Apple stock at the right time, congratulations, you did well. Let's say you bought some stock in that that company. What would happen? You'd be watching how the stock market is doing and how the Apple stock is doing. You'd be really curious and and, uh, invested in that company, wanting it to do well. You'd be buying their products. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. In turn, let's say that you gave a lot of money to a cause like children in Africa with AIDS. Anytime you read an article about that cause or hear a missionary from that area talking about that cause, you're going to want to hear about it. You're going to want to read that article. You might even consider going to Africa or maybe even moving there because where you put your treasure, there your heart is also. It's not easy. It's not hard to see. It's easy to see what God is doing, what Jesus is telling us here. And so do you wish you cared more for godlier things? Well, Jesus says, then reallocate some or much of your money to godly things from earthly things to eternal things now those opportunities always exist in the life of a healthy church and i would say a community grace a healthy church there's a lot of opportunities to invest in kingdom things and eternal things and i want to just take this opportunity right now to give an exciting report From last week on the Community Grace Mission Chili Cook-Off that we all enjoy. How many people were here last week enjoying the Chili Cook-Off? If you weren't, that's an annual fundraiser that's been going on for quite some time at Community Grace. And it's to support short-term missions that have changed the lives of many, many people over the years. And we can't wait to see what God does through that here. But here are the results that I'm happy to share. Live auction total, $6,400. Silent auction and extra gifts, fourteen. dollars money jars $3,100 that was how we voted on the chili total $11,043 raised in that one day isn't that amazing so, thank you so much for giving to the Lord and now I know you've read ahead but uh, here we have the winners of the chili cook-off mild category with $706 of votes Chris Rager alternative Mark Montel so close maybe next year Mark 632, family category, way to go, Mike and Myra Taylor. And the overall winner is Chris Rager, and that's what this is doing here. Chris, come on up and get your trophy. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what I learned after first service? Uh, He made that. (laughs) (laughs) So you get to take it home for another year. Bring it back next year, though. Oh, man. Laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven will be enjoyed for eternity, all of you who contributed and every bit of work that we give to the Lord. So let Jesus' words prompt some soul searching right now. Just take this opportunity to look inside yourself and ask these questions Am I living unselfishly? Is my life an example of generous care for others? Am I tight-fisted ever, reluctant to give? Do I know when I've acquired enough, or am I consumed in pursuing more and more in this world? Do I worship things more than I worship God? Am I content here and rich in heaven? It's an opportunity for you to ask those questions. Now, Jesus' next words turn to the character of our priorities. We're talking about what's priorities primary focus in our lives just as we pursue heavenly treasure over earthly treasure he says next pursue light over darkness god over evil he says next he's going to say look followers of mine listen listen to me you need to pursue god above everything else in the world and let me illustrate it with how eyesight works this is what he says next verses 22 and 23 The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. See what Jesus is teaching here with this illustration. We know how sight works. Light is reflected off of objects that we're seeing and makes an impression into your eye, which sends a message to, through your optic nerve into your mind. Now, This is how light and sight works. Now, Jesus is using an argument from lesser to greater. What he's saying is, if your eye is bad and no light comes in, then you're left in darkness. How much worse when the primary focus of your life is on earthly things, anything in the earth, not the things of God. When your pursuits, your life, your values, when they're bad, when we're focused on living for this world and getting rich or being popular or just being entertained all the time, doing nothing, giving nothing for Jesus and his kingdom work, that means our eyes are dark and our whole self is filled with darkness. And that priority in life, that pursuit in life is unsatisfying and it's anxiety-producing, it's empty, it's meaningless, it's selfish and deathly and therefore evil. Jesus doesn't want us to fall into that at all. The hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, gets right to this when it says this line. And I'm going to ask you all to sing this with me now. I even put some music notes on there. I'm going to lead this. Would you all just sing this line with me? And in the perspective of this text right here, sing with me. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Listen to this. Worldly eyes will dim spiritual light but in turn spiritualize will dim the appeal of worldly things now meditate on this line from the song again and this is truth it's what jesus is saying here where are your priorities And Jesus gets right to his conclusion now in verse 24. He says it plainly, pursue God over money. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. But oh, how we try. We try to balance a love for God, but yet a love for money and the things of the world, the pursuits, the comforts that money buys how we try to give passionate zeal in our time and and pursuit to God and still passionate pursuit of getting more stuff for myself or taking care of myself. Jesus says, don't. You can't win that rat race. It's not possible. You've got to choose one or the other. Instead, refuse to let materialism overtake our primary love for God store up treasures in heaven rather than on earth by generosity and sacrifice. That's what he's teaching us to do. This is for our good. The Apostle Paul picks up on this. The Apostle Paul is the writer of 13 books in the New Testament. And you know what a really cool thought is? The Apostle Paul read the same Sermon on the Mount from Jesus that we're reading now. And he drew from that same content, and he writes these words in his letters. This one is from... 1 Timothy chapter 6, he applies Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount in this way as he's teaching Timothy how to lead a church. Read this. It's a great application of Jesus' words. Here from 1 Timothy 6, he writes, But godliness with contentment is great gain. As I've meditated over that for the years, it's been extremely helpful. What it's saying is, if you're content with everything you have, then you have everything you want. There's no need to pursue anything else as our deepest treasure and desire except godliness. That itself is a freeing way to live. He continues, For we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. What marvelous words of abundant life, applying what Jesus taught us in the Sermon of the Mount. Now, I want to make an important note here got to take the whole counsel of the Word into consideration every time we study the Word. Jesus is not prohibiting being wealthy. Many of the most faithful followers of God were extremely wealthy, all through Scripture and all through history and today. There's nothing wrong with money itself. What's the root of all kinds of evil, according to Paul? Not money, but the love of money. Very good. In our pop culture, you'll see money is the root of all evil, and that's not true. Not at all. It's the love of money that is the root of all kinds of evil. Jesus is also not prohibiting enjoying what he's blessed with or planning for the future. No, he is the giver of all good things to enjoy, and he is the master planner who demands us to plan and care for our family and its future entirely. Just get this right. Jesus is denouncing a selfish life focused on this world as a primary focus and distracted from his mission. Don't fall into it. One preacher said, Our greatest fear should not be failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. And the missionary Adoniram Judson issues a great application here. He said, Soon we shall be in heaven. Oh, let us live as we shall then wish we had done. These are good words. Now with that, point number two, as we move on in the text, if we focus on heavenly treasures, if we are generous and if we love God over money, are you ready for this? Are you ready for what Jesus says next? If we apply those things, it will free us from anxiety and worry because we'll know God truly and we'll know that he's sovereign over everything. He's in control and he's good and he will take care of our needs present and future. And that's why we get to point number two, Jesus' solution for worry and anxiety. The solution for worry and anxiety follows. If we pursue heavenly treasure over earthly treasure, if we pursue light over darkness, that's God over anything of this world, and if we pursue God over money, verse 25 starts with the word, therefore. That means everything that comes next is based on what we just talked about. Therefore. Listen to these life giving words from Jesus. He says, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Now, this is a command from King Jesus, who's king over it all. It's a command, it's not a suggestion, it's not a self help guide. He says, stop living in a self tormenting worship of this world that leads to anxiety, a fixation on everything around you in this world. Stop living in fear of this world and stop living in fear of trying to do it all on your own. And now, Jesus is going to use some specific areas of life which commonly cause us to worry to illustrate this, to teach us that we don't need to worry, to be free from anxiety because God will take care of our needs, our food, our clothing, our needs is what he uses as an example here. He cares for our lives and our future. Let's read again. He says, "Therefore, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing?" And he gives a couple illustrations because he wants us to grasp this. The first illustration is the birds. Look at the birds of the air. I don't know about you, but we have a bird feeder. We like it's right outside of our dining room window and it's actually really entertaining to watch the birds come by. And just eat and be fed. So picture the birds of the air. Jesus says they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. They're not there plowing the fields, planting seeds and gathering up food in barns for the winter. They don't do that. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? The answer of that is yes. You and I are made in the image of God. We are the most important creation of God We are more valuable than the birds, and God takes care of them. He'll take care of us. And Jesus adds, verse 27, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your span of life? This is another argument from lesser to greater. If God takes care of the birds, he's going to take care of you. So don't worry. How how is worrying going to benefit you at all? Now, just as birds still need to work, and they do, they're out there working. So do we. We need to work, but don't worry. Because what does worrying do? Maquori Tenboom said it best. She said, "Worry does not empty tomorrow of sorrows; it empties today of strength." And that's what Jesus is telling us here. Don't be anxious. Being anxious doesn't add a single hour to your life. In fact, we know that being anxious can lead to all sort of mental and emotional and physical illnesses that can actually shorten lives or at least make them miserable. Jesus is going to give us the solution here. But first, there's a short poem by Elizabeth Cheney that grasps this truth with the birds and it personifies the birds and maybe this will help you grasp this and hold on to it. These words of Jesus The short poem says, Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush about and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think that it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. We do. We do have a heavenly father. And we need to not worry as we trust him and keep our eyes on him. Jesus gives us a second illustration to teach this, to further embed this in our souls. Verse 28, he says, And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, they don't make clothes. But I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. King Solomon, the wealthiest king, the most famous king in the world at that time, or ever to live, the wealthiest ever could not be arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? What a great illustration. So here we see a, a field of wildflowers in Israel here, and it's beautiful. And they don't work hard and toil and spin to make these clothes, but not even the wealthiest king ever lived, Solomon, who's can achieve that kind of beauty. Another argument from lesser to greater, how much more will God take care of you, his children? How much more can we trust God? So he says, don't be of little faith. Be of big faith. It's a big God. It's a good God. And that is the solution. Big faith in God. But how do we get there? Jesus concludes, verse 31, how do we get there? He says, therefore... Do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? What's going to happen? I'm in so much trouble, how am I going to get out of this? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Here's the solution, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. Here's the antidote for the disease of worry. We start putting first things first. We're talking priorities, values, treasures in life. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you, and your worry and anxiety are in His hands. He takes them. That means first seeking salvation and entering into his kingdom because before trusting Jesus, giving him your life, repenting from your sin and self-sufficiency and becoming alive in him, you're not in his kingdom yet. You're still spiritually dead and trapped in the meaninglessness of life. That's a place of all anxiety. But enter his kingdom through faith in Jesus and then every moment of every day, I said this is all the moments of the day's 24/7 outside of the spiritual practices this is what I'm talking about. All of our lives, at work, everywhere you are, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you. And his passionate, loving conclusion for all of his followers, verse 34, therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. And he shows a little wit here. So for tomorrow, we'll be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. If you're struggling with anxiety, worry, as many of us are, sometimes constantly, I just want to encourage you to read this passage every day and every night. Read this. God speaks through His Word. The Holy Spirit speaks through the Word of God and penetrates soul and spirit through the Word of God and heals and restores and empowers it's so the Holy Spirit's primary tool in your, our lives. I would suggest read the entire Sermon on the Mount, chapters 5, 6, and 7, and, and whatever it is that's causing you anxiety and worry, you're probably going to see Jesus address it in the Sermon on the Mount in some way with this right at the middle. I had the blessing of applying this this week. Here I am preparing this message, studying this text, and worrying about things. I have things to worry about, too. And this week was challenging. And here I am, reading this text, and felt a wave of peace over it. Read these words day and night if you're battling worry this week. And once again, the Apostle Paul read the same words of Jesus that we're reading now as he was teaching people and writing his letters And in Philippians 4, Paul summarizes this part of Jesus' sermon. And I'd like to close today by by reading this out loud together from Philippians 4. Would you stand and let's read this out loud together. And the worship team can come back up right now and prepare to close. As we proclaim this truth from these verses from Philippians 4 with resolve and conviction and application, we're going to apply this truth to our lives And experience the peace that passes all understanding in the way that God told us He would provide it. Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Let's read these words together with resolve for our lives. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand As a next step to apply this today, this very day, into this week, I want to encourage you right in your hearts where you are right now to say this to Jesus right now. All I need is you. I will believe and follow you. Why? Because he is the only Savior. He's the only one. If you haven't put your faith in him, you can do so today and receive his forgiveness, salvation, new life, enter his kingdom, and not be spiritually dead and lost in hopeless anxiety anymore. But for believers, peace. He's shown us the way and given us the promise as we follow him 24-7. And what does that look like? To believe and follow Jesus. Here's what it looks like and our resolve to Him today. That means to trust Him, to turn to Him, to talk to Him, to read His Word, to follow His example, to know all He has commanded so that we can obey all He has commanded, to worship Him, to do what He would do, to confess our sins to Him, to give to His work, to be in fellowship and accountability with His church bringing all your worries to him so he can take them from you. Lord, I pray that you change eternity by changing the priorities of our lives today and every day this way forward. In Jesus' name, amen.